Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's final teaching in the Thessalonian series called Brethren, Do Not Grow Weary of Doing Good. are going to finish 2 Thessalonians, and uh, we are going to look at the final verses, starting in verse 6 of chapter 3. Brethren, don't, do not grow weary of doing good. Anybody weary out there? <laughs> you know, we as a staff, we were praying about the uh, theme, the Advent theme for this year, and I have shared it with you. We are going to borrow some lines from Old Holy Night. And it's a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. That's our theme for this year. And uh, this is going to fit with that theme, but I will tell you, you're going to have to put your seatbelt on because uh, we have some very challenging verses and uh, they're going to challenge some of the ways that we think as Christians. Uh, We're going to have a verse in there about not getting weary, and I think that's easier said than done, right? I can tell you, don't be tired, you know, just... Just uh, uh, tighten your shoelaces and, and keep on going. But, you know, we need, we need a, a fountain. We need a strength outside of ourselves. And I think that's what this year has done for many of us, is make us realize how dependent we are on the Lord. So the verses are 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 18. Let me just uh, ask you, if you're physically able to stand, to go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's read the text together as we always do. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, brethren, don't grow weary of doing good. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you receive from us, 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Nine. Not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary. There's our title of doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of the Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Brethren, don't grow weary in doing good. What do we do when we come to the end of a couple of letters like this, very much saturated with end times 
day of the Lord kind of teaching, what we call eschatology. What do we do now? How do we live in light of the second coming? I've given you uh, several markers to consider in terms of what will the end times be like. And I guess if anybody were to try to venture a guess of some of the things that we'd see, it would be the year 2020. That's for, for certain. But we have to be biblical and we have to make sure that we stay anchored to the hope that we have in Christ. What are we to do as we wait for the Lord's return? Jesus said we are to occupy until he comes. And he said that in the parable of the Minyas, which is, I think, Luke's uh, chapter 16. And he used those words, occupy until I come. Now, I give you a few things to think about in terms of a personal mission for your life. Verse one says in chapter three, finally, brethren, pray for us. Prayer is a key that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. So if you haven't done this already, I would encourage you to mark this as a personal mission, a mission of prayer and a mission to be praying specifically for evangelism or what we would say a revival or a great awakening in America would occur. Pray, verse one, that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and will be welcomed. It will be honored. It will be glorified. If this nation is going to make a comeback, and for that matter, the world, it's going to be because the word of God spreads rapidly. How does it spread rapidly? People will not hear without a preacher People will not preach unless they are sent. So we have to be on mission as God's people, amen? We gotta get the word of God out there. We've got to go out as we do on radio, as we send missionaries out, as we have evangelism teams in our own personal spheres. We gotta be about our father's business. And if you are sitting on the sidelines right now, or if you're wondering what is it that I should be doing as a Christian, you should be having a life of prayer. You should be active in evangelism. Be praying for those who go out, uh, our evangelism teams. Be praying for missionaries. Pray that the word of God would run swiftly through our land and that it would be honored again, that we would stop kicking God out of the public square. Amen? That we would not be ashamed of the gospel. And especially I address God's people with this. Let's not be ashamed of the saving power of the gospel. Now, here's another aspect of mission that I would encourage you to be thinking about. Maybe you can be thinking about this for the new year as well. And that is the idea of a well-ordered life. And that's kind of the central focus of this text is a well-ordered life. And let me just say that there's two primary areas that I would share with you about a well-ordered life. Number one is your spiritual life. Do you have a well-ordered spiritual schedule? Now, I know sometimes we hear schedule and we think, are we, are we trying to, you know, move the Holy Spirit out of directing our walk through a schedule? Well, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive, by the way. And here's what I mean. I have a weekly schedule of Bible studies and things that I go to that are predictable because I know I need them. I need fellowship. I need the word of God. I go to Bible studies, some of which I don't teach so that I can be fed. I listen to other pastors. I have a schedule. Now, I realize that a lot of you have very busy schedules. You have families, you have kids, you deal with traffic, you deal with work. But the other part of this text is about working hard at your work. And so you can be doing spiritual things. You can be making a spiritual impact in your place of employment. 
See, you are the person that God has at that company or in that neighborhood. And some of you are stay-at-home moms and you're working harder than any of us. And so, you know, you find ways to pour into your kids. Maybe you're connecting with other moms in a, in a group or whatever it may be. But here's the point. A well-ordered life will bring additional peace and mission to your life. If you are living a chaotic life right now, if you don't even know what you're doing the next hour, if you don't have an ordered life, a disciplined life, then you're going to feel chaotic. And this is no time to feel chaotic, right? So I would encourage you that some of you need to look at just your overall life. This might be the talk about goals. What is it that, and I'm not talking about over planning your life. I'm talking about simplicity. I'm talking about maybe scaling back on some things so that you can be feeding your spirit and doing the things that God tells us to do. Jesus put it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you, Matthew 6, 33. And so Paul is going to get into mission in verse six and it opens with a command. This is not a suggestion. Verse six says, now we command you, brethren, does that bother some of you? That the Bible has a command? People say, well, there's 10 commandments, right? In the Old Testament, well, there, there's more than 10. <laughs> but do you know the New Testament has commandments as well? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, Jesus Christ has commands that he gives to us because he is our Lord. Jesus said it this way in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Or another way to put it is, why do you call yourself a Christian and you don't obey the word of God? Now, some of you are brand new to the faith. Some of you are coming back to the faith. Some of you are learning the word of God little by little. We're all learning, right? It doesn't matter how long we've been taking in the word of God. But once you know something, it is up to you and me to amend my ways to my Lord because that's what you call Jesus is Lord. He's not just your savior, he's your Lord. That means he can command you and you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to say, well, I don't do windows. I'm not sure, Jesus, if you knew this. There's a list of things that I don't do. I don't do windows, I don't vacuum, I don't do dishes unless there's a dishwasher. Uh, no. If you're gonna call Jesus Lord, then you do what he says. And here is a command through an apostolic authority. And notice it's given, verse six, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, which adds you know, a layer of authority, if you will. This is coming through Paul, and you could say the missionaries as well. And it's in the name. Whenever you, say, you see in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is the authority of the Lord, the power behind the name. When you tag a prayer in Jesus' name, that's essentially what you're doing, or you can start a prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, through whom I have access to you. That's why I'm in right standing with you by Jesus Christ. And now I bring my petitions to you. Or you can end a prayer in the name of Jesus and the authority and the power. You could say what's imbued in that or within it or inherent in it is the gospel, the saving gospel and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has on our lives. This is a command. And it's a hard command because it says next that you keep aloof 
This is, uh, the NIV says, keep away. The New King James says, withdraw from every brother. So this is not a so-called brother, as we see in 1 Corinthians 5. This is an actual brother, sister in the Lord who leads an unruly life. The idea of unruly is disorderly. He conducts himself, she conducts herself in a disorderly manner. And not according to the tradition. We study that word. That is simply divine revelation passed down the Greek word paradosis, which you receive from us. It's the handing down of divine teaching. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. I'm Rob Newton, Program Director for Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. I've been working with this ministry for nearly three years. I have to tell you, I'm so blessed the Lord has connected me with Pastor Michael and the entire staff at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I've worked with quite a few ministries, and I'm going to be honest with you, I could be skeptical. Well, if I'm really honest, judgmental right off the bat because of my past experiences working with other ministries. I'd think, okay, they seem kind and loving. Let's see how long this lasts. Anyway, the point I'm making is that Pastor Michael and the entire staff, and I mean the entire staff, are wonderful people. Did you know before we end a staff meeting with prayer, we end it with making a list of people who need or are asking for prayer and pray for them too. I can go on and on about the staff, but time's ticking away. If you've been listening for some time, I want to let you know from my experience, Pastor Michael is a good man. He cares about the mission the Lord has placed before him. He loves his church, and he loves you. Why else would he speak the truth even when you don't want to hear it? This podcast exists because of him and the Lord's gift to him. We would love to expand this ministry to be on more radio stations, and we need your help to do it. Before we can add a radio station, we need our largest radio station airtime bill to be completely funded by listeners like you. That price per year is $44,500 a year. Now let's get transparent. Walk in Truth has been on the air since 2012, thanks to our church. Last year, 16 listeners outside our church collectively gave nearly $1,500. We were so grateful and excited to see growth. I mean, really excited. This year, in all its uncertainty, has surprised us and given us so much hope. So far, 191 listeners have collectively given nearly $11,000. It's amazing, right? We would love your help and support to raise the remaining $33,500. Monthly partnership is what we need. Can you commit to giving at least $1 a month? We have a lot of podcast listeners, and if even half commit between $1 and $5, we will make our goal. If everyone thinks, well, others will give that $1 a month, I don't need to then most won't give. Your monthly partnership is needed. If you're a new listener, please only help by praying for our ministry and its mission to equip people with God's truth. But if you've listened for some time and you're starting to see walking truth as I do, please commit to giving $1 to $5 a month. Or if you're already a monthly partner, upping your gift by $5. Please visit walkintruth.com today to give your tax-deductible donation. That's walkintruth.com. And thank you. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And it's in the name. Whenever you say, you see, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is the authority of the Lord, the power behind the name. When you tag a prayer in Jesus' name, That's essentially what you're doing. Or you can start a prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, through whom I have access to you. That's why I'm in right standing with you by Jesus Christ. And now I bring my petitions to you. Or you can end a prayer. 
in the name of Jesus and the authority and the power. You could say what's imbued in that or within it or inherent in it is the gospel, the saving gospel and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has on our lives. This is a command. And it's a hard command because it says next that you keep aloof. This is uh, the NIV says keep away. The New King James says withdraw from every brother, so this is not a so-called brother as we see in 1 Corinthians 5. This is an actual brother, sister in the Lord who leads an unruly life. The idea of unruly is disorderly. He conducts himself, she conducts herself in a disorderly manner and not according to the tradition. We study that word. That is simply divine revelation passed down, the Greek word paradosis, which you receive from us. It's the handing down of divine teaching. If you see anybody living a disorderly life, you are to pull back from that person. There were some Christians in Thessalonica to whom this letter is written who were no longer in the trenches. They weren't working. They, they weren't really working for the kingdom. They had become lazy, undisciplined, busy bodies. Instead of building up the church, they were draining it, taxing good people who were working hard and giving all that they had. And even though this is a difficult command, Paul addresses this group squarely. Paul had heard about problems as it relates to teaching about the day of the Lord. And he had also heard about behavioral issues within this church. And chapter three gets to more of the practical issues. We're moving away from the eschatology or theology, if you will. And we're moving now more to behavioral kind of stuff. Steve Brown relates a story of a soldier in World War I who was so distraught with the war that he deserted. He tried to find his way to the coast so he could catch a boat and make his way incognito to his homeland in England. In the darkness of the night, he stumbled on a road sign. It was so pitch black and he was so lost, he had no idea where he was or what the sign said. So he decided to climb up the pole. When he got to the cross beam, he held on to read the sign. Taking out a match, he lit it. He looked directly into the face of Jesus Christ. He had climbed on an outdoor crucifix. Stunned by what he saw, he realized the shame of his life. He was looking into the face of the one who endured it all and had never turned back. The next morning, the soldier was back in the trenches. And some of you may feel that way. It feels like exiting stage left in a crazy world like this might be the best option. You guys have heard about suicide rates skyrocketing and abuse and all the other things that shutdowns have done and just the pressure of life have done to people. And some people in Thessalonica, because of, apparently because of Day of the Lord teaching, or maybe just because this is how they were, they began to drain the church. Here's what they were doing. They might have been saying something like this. This is a bit of conjecture, but they may have been saying, hey, the Lord could come. And perhaps, you know, some people have been saying that we've entered into the day of the Lord. That was a false teaching. But and maybe some people were saying that and they said, we're going to just quit our job. And it's up to the Christian community to take care of us. So if I'm running short, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going to study my Bible all day and uh, I'm going to mooch off of God's people. And that's what some of these people were doing. Remember, this is not about people who could not work, that is, were disabled or beyond their working years. That's not what the text is addressing. This is addressing able-bodied people who refused to work. 
And I could spend the next 20 minutes talking to you about our society and entitlement and things that are going to get us in trouble if we don't recapture a good work ethic. America was known for a work ethic of working hard to provide for your family. And I'll tell you what, if you, if, if this, the way the political movements are where people are trying to get people to buy into an idea that everybody should just hand you everything is not healthy for people and it's not biblical. And that's my main concern. It's not biblical. Did you read the verses with me? It's not biblical to sit at home, watch terrible daytime television and wait for the government to give you a check. That's not the way we were wired. In fact, before the fall, Adam was given responsibility over the garden to cultivate it and keep it. Before the fall, he was given work to do. Work is not a result of the fall. It's how we are wired. We are supposed to be busy and productive. And some people with a false notion or a false teaching have begun to live an undisciplined life. We've had some usual suspects over the years in church where this is what happens. And I'm not talking about legitimate needs, but we've had people, they go on the circuit of churches and they pull up in their automobile and they tell the same story to 10 or 20 churches about a sob story and a sick loved one in a hospital, you know, in San Diego. And we come to find out that they've been playing all the churches in the city. And we find out because we do talk to each other. And we find out that the same couple has been going around. Or sometimes what we have is we have a person who walks into a church, and I'm just being candid with you, this is what happens. They sit through a service, they walk forward at an altar call, they act like they're giving their lives to the Lord, but their real motive is to get material resources from us. This is where we need to be discerning as the people of God. Because we want to give to people. We want to make sure everybody's taken care of. And you guys do a tremendous job with the benevolence ministry here. And we take responsibility to make sure it gets funneled out properly. And if we have to default, we will default to grace. But we're not going to be manipulated by people. And we're not going to just, you know, not ask any questions and then just give stuff away. We want to make sure that this is genuine. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you NIV brothers to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching NIV you receive from us. You've been listening to Brethren, Do Not Grow Weary of Doing Good, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 16. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. So how was your Thanksgiving week? How's this year been for you? Hey, if you need someone to talk to or someone to pray for you, we've got pastors on staff ready to hear you and pray with you. Hey, everyone needs to be heard once in a while, even you. Even if you're not a Christian, we would love to help you if we can. Call 844-48-TRUTH, Tuesday through Friday, during normal business hours, and a pastor will be ready to hear and speak with you. Take a chance. Reach out. Call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, some of you may be thinking, well, what if, if I'm not working right now 
Am I not a good Christian? Should people shun me? Well, the point of the passage is not that you lost a job or you're in between jobs or you're looking for work. The point of the passage is people who are mooching off of others because they're lazy. And by the way, God does not appreciate laziness. It's not good for you. It doesn't do any good for your health, your spiritual, mental health. It's just not good. It's good to have an ordered life, a predictable schedule. It doesn't mean that you have to schedule everything because, you know, uh, I, I like being spontaneous as well. But this is about your life being ordered in such a way that you have a regular spiritual diet. You commit hard to the things that you do, whether it's work at home or, you know, you work for a company if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you work for an employer, you do it to the best of your ability. You give God your best. That's what he wants. And by the way, it's a double blessing. You honor God, but you also feel good about yourself when you work hard. And we'll have more to say on this particular topic as we do part two tomorrow on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, we go through books of the Bible here to just see what God has to say to us and to make sure we're conforming our lives to his. And you know, I am so appreciative. Our team is appreciative of each one of you. So excited that you're listening. We have more and more people who are joining us, partnering with us, listening to the broadcast. And we're excited about what God's gonna do in 2021. Would you be praying about partnering with us? Would you be praying that the Lord would expand the borders of Walk in Truth to wherever he wants to take the ministry for his glory? Hey, we're going to have more on this message tomorrow. Tell a friend about what you're hearing, and Lord willing, we'll see you right here. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-18, through 18, called, Brethren, Do Not Grow Weary of Doing Good. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.